The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Conditions apply. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Well, it's 2.35 on the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News, and Edmonton businessman is counting down to a trip of a lifetime. Daryl Wefflin, who is the president of Airworks and a crew of four, are hoping to make history by leading the first Canadian hybrid vehicle expedition to the South Pole. They plan to leave in November on a journey called Expedition 90X. Daryl Wefflin joins us now on the phone. Hi, Daryl. Hi there. Uh, I, I have to ask, uh, if I may, uh, why? <laughs> well, I, I, I guess if you're asking about the expedition, it's it's always been a, I guess, a bucket list dream of mine to to go to Antarctica, and, and we're just taking it a little further now with uh, getting ourselves there and and getting our vehicle uh, there as well. So tell me about that vehicle. It's pretty interesting. The, uh, you, this, the high-end speed of it sort of made me raise my eyebrows. But describe this vehicle. Uh, well, it's a, a modified international MXT truck. It's a four, heavy-duty 4x4, four four, a 2.5-ton truck. Um, we've equipped it with tracks as well as a service body on the back to carry our equipment. Uh, both the equipment we're using on the expedition as well as our hybrid drive system. Um, so it's it's a it's a large hybrid vehicle. It's not a, not a Prius by any means, but <laughs> certainly built for the uh, conditions we're expecting. But its high end speed is eighteen kilometers an hour. Is that right? Well, that that's the average travel speed. Yeah, actually, the uh, record speed from where we're starting out to the South Pole is, is just over seventeen miles an hour. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, the vehicle can travel. We we go up to about forty five kilometers per hour with the vehicle. Um, but uh, just due to the terrain and uh, you know likely weather conditions, uh, the average speed is going to be around 18 kilometers per hour. Hey, Daryl, what are you hoping to do with this technology that uh, you've developed? Well, what we what we've developed uh, a little bit background on it is a is a hybrid vehicle system that can adapt to class four and larger trucks. Um, it's kind of an underserved market as far, far as hybrid vehicles go. And uh, with our system, you're not only able to propel the vehicle using the uh, G4 system, as we call it, uh, you're also able to provide uh, comfort such as air conditioning and heating while the vehicle's parked and shut off. So for, for highway tractors or uh, vehicles where the operator may be sitting for a long time, they're able still able to run the comfort features of the truck without having to run the diesel engine, as well as provide uh, electric assist to the uh, to the chassis as well when the vehicle's traveling. How many people have tried to do this before? It's the first Canadian-led driving expedition. Have others tried this? Uh, not in a hybrid. Certainly other people have driven from Union Glacier Camp where we're starting out to the to the South Pole and to other areas in Antarctica, but um, never, never a single vehicle and never a Canadian-led uh, driving trip either or, or hybrid trip for that matter now did i did i read correctly that you're using jet fuel for this yeah we're actually using jet a fuel uh problem is with the weather we're going to encounter there or potentially encounter there um diesel fuel will tend to gel up around minus 40 c 
uh, the Jet A has a much lower uh, gel point. And and what is the what are the conditions that you're expecting in November um, of the year in the uh, South Pole? <laughs> well, it ranges. It, it can change quite suddenly depending where you're at. Uh, we're going to see anything from a high of minus 20 to low of minus 60. Hmm. So uh, I'm knocking on wood as I ask this question, um, but out of pure curiosity, if something goes wrong with the vehicle or if you and your team are in distress, uh, who do you turn to for a rescue? Well, yeah, not knock on wood with that. Um, hopefully we can self-recover you know, recover ourselves. If we have a vehicle problem, we can uh, ho- hopefully be able to repair that on scene. Um, but there are contingency plans in place should we require, say, a medical evacuation or something like that, or, or you know, catastrophic loss of the vehicle if it fell in a crevasse or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an evacuation plan in place, and we will be in radio contact with uh, Antarctic Logistics Exploration, which is the uh, logistics company that runs Union Glacier Camp. So, weather permitting, they could dispatch, uh, you know, if it's medical, they could dispatch a uh, aircraft relatively quickly, though, you know. Hopefully, if that situation arises, we do have good weather at the time. Yeah, because yeah. you know we've we've seen all sorts of stories over the years about the uh, the rescue missions having to go to go into um, the uh, the climate stations down there. So, how do you train for this, or what kind of training do you need to do? Well, we've been the past, I guess, two weeks now. We've been training uh, both well, in crevasse rescue, climbing techniques, um, first aid, and CPR. Uh, as well as um, navigation, uh, we worked with our uh, nav- GFI, which is a uh, GPS provider. They're, they're setting us up with a full uh, GPS system for, for travel, as well as uh, they'll also offer live tracking um, of the trip uh, while we're on, on Antarctica, so people will be able to follow along with our progress. Oh, they'll be able to track you. Will they be able to see you? Uh, we are going to have the capability of uploading pictures along the way, so it probably won't won't be a live feed, um, video feed or anything like that. But you know, we will be posting pictures hopefully daily, um, as well as uh, Google has teamed up with us to uh, do the first uh, Street View. Uh, <laughs> cool. No way. Very cool. <laughs> That's very cool. <laughs> it, it's amazing how how things are folding out and and how little uh, technology is you know, captured Antarctica, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the expedition goes, there's certainly uh, lots of views around camps and whatnot, but uh, out in the open there, it's very hard to find information on what the terrain is like and, and whatnot. So the Google Street View will be a, a big step forward. Um, so there's four in your team, and I assume you have to all sleep in the vehicle every night. Uh, no, we're actually going to be tenting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're going to need a break from each other I after suppose. being in the truck right. all day. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, for Four sure. Four guys in the back of the truck. I hope you like each other. Hey, hey, you know what? Jalen and I didn't like staying in a trailer at Old McDonald's Resort. So, <laughs> <laughs> There's more to that story, Daryl. I'm not near that much of, as, uh, that much of a princess as he's making it sound. But So the, the other guys that are going uh, with you, uh, tell us about them. Sure. Well, actually, uh, I've got one of them here with me. Uh, Daryl Black uh, is our uh, safety uh, safety team member, and he's sitting here with me. I'll, I'll let him give awesome. a little background on himself, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, so hi, I'm uh, Daryl Black. So my job is to look after all safety-related aspects of the expedition. So I bring a background in search and rescue and public safety, and 
you know, maybe a, a mediator or two uh, or conflict <laughs> resolution throughout the uh, course of the, the time that we're down there for sure. You know, we, we could probably nice. use you when you get back. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we could either be the best friends or we won't want to talk to each other ever again. We'll see how, how it goes. But, but have, have the four of you talked about that? Yeah, it's, it's come up a couple times. Um, it, it, I think we've got a pretty strong team. Two, two of the other members that aren't here today, uh, Jerry Fuentes uh, from Midland, Texas, is joining us. He's going to be uh, in charge of navigation and drone operation. An ex-Marine helicopter pilot? Correct, yes. Very cool. You know, it's a different and kind your, of... And your brother, though, too, right? Yeah, oh, you, brought, oh, you brought a relative? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, I'm thinking about, you know, if I want to get in the car and head, uh, head to Toronto, then I know where I'm going to stop for gas, what food I'll bring, what should be in the car. Uh, how do you plan for something that practically nobody else has done? Uh, it's been just about 18 months of logistics planning. Uh, Sheila Stang is, is uh, looking after most of that for us, thankfully, uh, and doing a great job of it. A lot of it's uh, arranged through Antarctic Logistics mm. Explorations, or ALE. Uh, they run the Union Glacier Camp, and they're going to look after getting the uh, truck from Puna Arenas, Chile, where we'll ship it from here. Uh, over to, onto Antarctica, it'll actually load into a Russian transport aircraft and uh, fly over to Antarctica, where we'll set it back up and then uh, head out from Union Glacier. So, Daryl, things like um, food, um, water, uh, the jet fuel, um, will those be in a designated uh, drop-off spot along the way, or do you have to take all of that with you in in uh, in the vehicle? Well, we'll be taking everything but the fuel with yeah. us. We'll, we'll have about uh, about 800 liters of fuel on the truck, and there's a fuel cache at Thiel Camp, which is roughly a third of the way, I guess, to the South Pole, and then we'll be able to fuel again at the South Pole um, as well. Man, only hmm. twice. That's we cool. may we may vary from that route. Uh, Google's asked us to potentially look at some other sites but uh hey google if you're paying for the gas i'll go anywhere you want <laughs> yeah, no kidding. uh hey listen daryl uh just a tip for you uh since you're in charge of uh resolution of any kind of conflict you should probably state clearly before you leave that nobody gets to say are we there yet <laughs> you know, it's odd yeah we've had that come up numerous times and um you know, it, it, it's really interesting. We we joke about it now, but realistically, the the success and failure of the expedition. Yes, we're relying heavily on on a, a, a technology that's tried and true, and we're excited about that. But the the human factor of all of this, uh, you know, those seemingly innocuous little habits that mm-hmm. just can accumulate over the course of a month. Uh, for sure, we'll have to figure out a way to to deal with those types of things. And and I can say with a lot of confidence, the guys that we have going culturally and personality wise you couldn't do this kind of road trip on steroids with just anybody so the, the four of us i think uh if i was to pick four guys it would be okay. it would be these four individuals for sure all right we can follow you on twitter at expedition expedition 90x is there a website we can check out and will that have the link to the google stuff uh yeah all that once it goes live will be on uh x90x.com x90x.com and and there's uh, quite a bit on there right now as far as uh the expedition details and whatnot this is a this is a pricey road trip daryl yeah 
<laughs> but it's going to be incredible. Um, will you uh, will you guys take time to join us once all is said and done and we can catch up with you and find out how it went when you guys come back? Oh, we'd love to. Okay. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, we wish you the best of luck. We're, uh, we're excited for you and uh, we'll be following you. Um, but we'd love to have you back on. Thanks uh, so much for your time and uh, best of luck, fellas. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye, guys. Now, that's a cool trip. That is a cool trip. I saw um, Anthony Bourdain uh, was uh, down in that part of the world on one of his uh, episodes last year on No Reservations. So went into one of the the camps down there. And yeah, just uh, fascinating how it all works, uh, what kind of food is shipped in, Mm -hmm. how it's all done, that sort of stuff. I... I, I know that wouldn't be on the top of your to-do list. It would not. No. We um, tend to go somewhere sunnier. I, we like to go south, but not quite that far not, south. Not that far no. south. I, I just think that that would be uh, just neat. Sure, of I course. Think, I think, uh, yeah. It's not like the Mars trip where you're not coming back either. That's right. Right? At so. times it might seem like it, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's not. And I think... Um, I think going to the very tip there, too, would be very cool. Sure. So, hey, while we're talking about uh, spending time in cold places, um, you know, this got a lot of conversation. (laughs) No, uh, not the studio either. Uh, this got a lot of conversation on our show. Not lately. On, on every other show. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with that. Uh, you, the outdoor rink. Hey, the uh, the numbers are pretty much in on the outdoor rink. You know, the one outside Parliament Hill. It's being dismantled right now. Um, oh, you remember that big gong show? Remember that where, you know, you could have a rink, but you couldn't skate on it. Uh, there was rules for uh, no hockey. Or you could skate on it, but you couldn't uh, yeah, play yeah, tag yeah. or play uh-huh. hockey. Cell phones, multiplayer games, all banned. It's all done. Now, um, 8.1 million was what was budgeted for the yeah. rink. It, it's not been disclosed yet if they hit that number, but they say it was close, but probably a little under that. Uh, the department uh, that would be the uh, minister, heritage minister. Yeah. Her department said also uh, that 152,000 people skated on the rink from December 7th to February 28th with an average of more than 1,800 skaters per day. I did the math, by the way. That's about 51 bucks each uh, of the people who partook of the rink. And they describe it as a great success Mm. and a tremendous symbol of the 150th anniversary celebrations of Confederation. Uh, the board's glass and netting will all be donated to a community Good. in Ottawa. Good. Uh, but ultimately, uh, its ultimate des- destination not yet determined. But the reason this is kind of in the news again... Because I was just going to suggest, because the same department... <laughs> they're, they're, spending, they're spending more money. They, they got more of your money out there. Apparently, uh, through the course of this year, and with uh, a, bid, a bid proposal that they have out for the balance... Uh, of this year, uh, through the course of last year and a uh-huh. balance of this year, uh, they've ordered 14.6 million, that's 14.6 million uh, little flag lapel pins. You know, they hand them out, <laughs> the uh, uh, everyone's wearing them on, the, on mm-hmm. their lapel or on your jacket somewhere. Yeah, that's uh, how many they've ordered between 2013 and this year. So I shouldn't have said just last year. Um, the government has said in an email that it spent... 
$792,940 to buy 11.1 million uh-huh. lapel pins, uh, but they have another bid out, uh, as I said, to buy a few more, bring it up to 14.6, <laughs> and the department says the pins are used for notable celebrations, like National Flag Day, uh, which is February 15th, as well as other events like Canada Day. They're also distributed to uh, parliamentarians to give to visiting dignitaries and that kind of thing. Here, have a little pin. Visiting yeah. dignitary. <laughs> there you go. And uh, but they the, do hand it out to just they do you know everyday folks. You know I yeah you know that's uh, there's enough there that if they did now if they instead took all of those pins and gave them to Canadians that yeah, would yeah. mean that four out of every ten Canadians would get a pin. So they didn't order enough for every Canadian, uh, but four out of not every being ten. very inclusive are they? <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> to uh, the 3 o'clock news on the 6.30 Ched afternoon news. Still to come on the show, well, we're pulling out the big blue blind blinder. Yes, we are. The big blue binder. It's, it's, it's a folder. I don't, I don't know why I can't get you to say the word folder. It's a big blue folder. Because big blue blinders. I know better. it sounds Harder better, but say. it is a big blue folder of stories we didn't get to otherwise during you the course You carry yours week. in a folder. I just carry mine in a stack. I know you do, but that's it's become known as the big blue folder because it's big and it's blue. And this is one of those uh, sort of uh, mock folders that you buy at Chapters, where it says, file this in the garbage, like that kind of thing, right? I I can't read what this one says, because there's some uh, profanity-laden comments on it. Not that I wrote that they came with them. (laughs) That's why I chose this. (laughs) That's why I chose this folder. Um, And we have that last pair of Brian Adams tickets to Mm -hmm. give away. Your chance to win your way into Brian Adams. Once again, a music montage. Three songs. So between now and, let's say, the next Two hours? Sure. Makes um, sense. You know, might want to brush up on your uh, Brian Adams tunage. There you go. So really, I'm not going to tell you to tune into any other uh, rock radio station in this no. city because it'll be on, you know, you'll hear one probably every <laughs> half hour. <laughs> Stick around with us and uh, you can take your shot probably around 4.50. The 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad.